0: This is the Bigger Pockets podcast show. I don't even know. <laughs> Two eighty four. Two eighty four. The morning ritual isn't just like one thing that might help a little or it might not. You know, maybe I should try it. It was the linchpin to success because the only way to create a successful life is one day at a time, and the only way to create a successful day is really to start with a successful morning, and then it, you're off to the races.
1: You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from biggerpockets.com, your home for real estate investing online.
2: What's going on, everyone? This is Brandon Turner, host of today's Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host once again, my buddy, my friend. My homeboy, Mr. David Green. How you doing? What is going on, Brandon? I'm doing great. This is, I mean, I'm on
1: cloud nine right now. We just had an incredible interview with two of the most successful people that I think are walking around in America, and we're gonna get to share this with everybody.
2: Yeah. What's What's cool about today's episode is like not only are these two, probably the two most like successful people that I know personally in my life, it's like two of the some of the most successful people I know uh, and people that I look up to a lot. But they're also two of our most – some of our most popular – I think both are in the top 10 most popular podcasts we've ever done individually. And we brought them in separately today – I mean together today to do an amazing show. And like they – we just got done recording it, and man, they delivered. It's really, really, really good. So uh, before we introduce them and talk about them, let's get to today's All right. For today's quick tip, we're actually going to do something a little bit different. Rather than David or I giving the tip, we've actually got a message from Lauren, the Director of Marketing over at BiggerPockets.com. Take it away, Lauren.
3: Hello, BiggerPockets podcast listeners. This is Lauren Hogan, Director of Marketing at BiggerPockets. I have very exciting news to share with you. We have added state-specific landlord forms as the newest feature of the BiggerPockets Pro Annual Membership. These eight forms are the essential starter pack for any landlord. They are easy to use, you can fill them out electronically, and we'll keep you updated as laws change. We currently have 35 states plus Washington, D.C., and we are working towards all 50. Become a pro annual member and gain access to this essential part of every investor's toolbox.
2: And there you go. Yeah. I mean, this is a huge value add for pro members, so I'm super glad they went through the work of doing that. A special shout out to Craig Curlop. Dude, you're awesome for all your hard work on putting that together. Uh, our pro members already, we've getting massive feedback. People love that. I mean, like my wife and I, when we wrote that book, the book on managing rental properties, constantly stressed the importance of having good, proper, state-specific legal forms and like talk about how they can save a landlord from massive headaches and problems. So uh, anyway, I'm super pumped about it. So if you're a pro annual member, this could save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars a year just another reason that Pro uh, Bigger Pockets Pro is awesome. So
4: did you know that short and medium term rentals offer double the cash flow compared to long term rentals? It's true. And rent to retirement just made investing in them easier than ever. Now you can buy fully turnkey short-term and medium-term rentals that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed. Maximize your cash flow, appreciation, and equity while rent-to-retirement takes care of all the rest for you. Plus, their creative financing options like interest rate buy-downs can get you a rate in the low fives and their investor loans let you buy multiple properties with as little as 5% down. Not 20%, 5% down. But why buy with rent-to-retirement? They're investors just like you and me and rock one of the highest reputations across bigger pockets with more five-star reviews than any other company on our site. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with some of the best cash flowing markets today.
2: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile, with a message for everyone paying big wireless way too much. Please, for the love of everything good in this world, stop. With Mint, you can get premium wireless for just $15 a month. Of course, if you enjoy overpaying, no judgments, but that's weird. Okay, one judgment. Anyway, give it a try at Mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers
3: only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com.
1: Here's a little insider-only knowledge from my days on the force. Most break-ins actually happen in broad daylight. And if you're enjoying more time out and about, your home could be in danger.
5: So what you're saying, David, is that we should block out the sun to reduce break-ins. I like it.
1: Oh, you've been watching too much Interstellar again, Rob. You can just use Simply Safe to protect your home 24 7. They were even named best home security systems of 2024 by US News and World Report.
5: Simply Safe's advanced sensors and cameras protect every room, window, and door in my home, keeping the little Abisola safe no matter where I am. Plus, you know we're frugal, guys. That's why we love Simply Safe's super
1: affordable 24/7 professional monitoring that costs less than a dollar a day.
5: Now, I don't worry when I'm away. You can even test out Simply Safe risk-free with their 60-day trial. Protect
1: your home today. Bigger Pockets listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for fast protect monitoring. Just visit SimplySafe.com/slash pockets. Don't wait, that's
2: simplysafe.com/slash pockets. With that, it's time to introduce today's guest. So today we have on two amazing people. First of all, Hal Elrod, who was on episode number 157 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Uh, that title was a life-changing morning ritual with Hal Elrod. Uh, and then David Osborne, where he talked about going from becoming a D student to making $400,000 in annual rental property cash flow. David Osborne is one of the most successful real estate investors we've ever had in the show, uh, and one of the most successful people I know with real estate. So, you guys will love today's show. It's all about wealth. And uh, yeah, he was
1: on episode 226. If you want to check that out, awesome, awesome episode.
2: Yeah, it was really, really good. So check those things out. Now, uh, to read what we're kind of talking about today, I wanted to read you a section of their new book. So they wrote a book together. It's awesome. But I want to read you a little paragraph here because it kind of summarizes what today's show is a lot about. So here they go. Here's a quote from the book: Imagine a day where you set the agenda. When where the things that matter to you are clear. And the steps ahead are exciting. That's what the Miracle Morning offers you. Not just the possibility of financial wealth, but also the abundance of peace and the sense of control over your life. Uh, And so we're going to talk about that today, how a morning ritual can help you actually build wealth. And we're going to go through a ton of wealth building strategies, tips, tricks, things that uh, mindset changes that you need to have if you want to build true wealth, Uh, whether it's through real estate or through anything, these things are going to come in handy. So with that, let's get to today's interview. All right, Hal and David, welcome back to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Good to have you guys here. Great to be here. Good to be back, but this time all together, this is cool. Yeah, it's like family reunion, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I guess, yeah, all three of us, or four of us know each other uh, from other places besides just this podcast, which is kind of cool. So it's fun to be able to bring us all kind of together. We're all GoBundance guys. And uh, yeah, in fact, I think actually the reason I'm friends with David is because, Hal, you introduced us back like three years ago. Uh, which is i don't know if you know if you remember that but yeah you're the reason that david's here even so thanks that's awesome yeah you're welcome <laughs> 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 all right so i, I want to start this thing obviously you guys were both on the show before and people should go back and listen to them but why don't we just start with an update on what's been going on in your guys' lives the last few years since you've been on the show how it's been i think two and a half three years since you've been on and david uh it's been a year so maybe we'll start with hal what have you been up to
0: yeah, I guess what stands out the most is I I, uh, I was fighting cancer for a lot of the last year or so. I was uh, about a year and a half ago diagnosed with a, a really rare aggressive form of cancer. I went into the hospital, and my lungs, kidneys, and uh, heart was failing, and I was given a 30% chance of living. This particular cancer is actually a 20 to 30% survival rate. And you know, I'm I'm a really healthy person, so it was very very unexpected, really surprising. And I applied something that I call the miracle equation, which we could chat about, you know, at some point later if we have time, but the, uh, yeah, I, I am grateful to say that I defied the odds and I beat the cancer and it's really a lifelong journey. A lot of people come, you know, I'm in what's called remission and a lot of people come out of remission, right? So I'm really trying to make sure that my lifestyle uh, stays in alignment with staying healthy for the rest of my life. And so, and then most recently, David and I just got back this last weekend from Sedona, Arizona where uh, the world premiere of the Miracle Morning movie took place. And I'm still like processing it. I was late last night falling asleep going, I need to like stop and be present to how crazy this is that there's a movie, <laughs> you know, about the Miracle Morning in my life. And, you know, and David was an executive producer on the film. And yeah, we just got to be the featured film at the Illuminate Film Festival and uh, to a big, Know, packed house of 400 people, I think. And it was pretty wild. So, so yeah, so those are some things that are going on. And of course, this new book, Miracle Morning Millionaires, Dave and I just co authored, this one just came out last month. So lots going on all at once. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I was really jealous when I saw you guys. Like, there's a few people I know
2: that were down there at the movie screen, and I was like, dang it, I want to be there. Anyway, all right. Uh, David, what have you been up to the last year? Yeah. It's been, well, first off, that movie experience was incredible. Like, it
6: was the Marquee night, the the grand stage, and the room was packed, standing ovation, brilliant movie, the Miracle Morning movie, and super fun to be a part of it, and uh, Hal's generous in giving me credit, but I'm his good friend, and I'm always a stand for Hal to win at everything he does, and really, he and his, his team just put together what I think has got... Great legs and continuing the miracle morning miracle, which is really what it is. I have been a dad. So I've got my, I guess last time my kid was just born. Now he's 18 months old. He's way different than my little girl. Like if you look away from him for a minute and he's holding a stick, he'll just hit you right in the head. Or like <laughs> he's just, he's so much more aggressive. She was so sweet. And he's just he hit me with a, I was saying goodbye to him to go to Sedona for the miracle morning, and he had a golf ball in his hand. I looked over to my wife and he smacked me in the back of the head with the golf ball. Then I looked over at him and he's just smiling. I'm like, you are like a <laughs> little guy, I could just destroy you right now, but I guess uh, I won't. Uh, <laughs> He's a real. So that's fun. And then uh, I wrote this book with Hal, The Miracle Morning Millionaire, which has been a great project. I'm such a fan of the Miracle Morning community. And uh, to do the one around wealth, which I think is my specialty, is something that was a pleasure and a, a great gift. And then lastly, I created a private equity fund since we all spoke before. So I was, I've was i been making money a lot with my money for many, many years. I've had investors co-invest with me, and I just finally decided to go big and create a, a private equity fund for single-family rentals and single. Family Family Flips. And we've raised close to a quarter, 25 million so far on our way wow. to hopefully 100 million. So it's a lot of fun. And I've got a great team
0: assembled over there. And that's keeping me busy. And I gave him some money. So I'm counting on that fund doing really well. <laughs> Al is an investor. <laughs> that's awesome. I Master think you're
2: going
6: right. no Guarantee of future returns. Al, just so you know. <laughs> all right. So tell me,
1: guys, you wrote this book, the, the Miracle Morning for Millionaires. How would each of you define The Miracle Morning in your own words?
0: So uh, Miracle Morning to me is it's a personal development ritual that is designed to help you become the person that you need to be to create everything that you want for your life. And that was the original quote that inspired the Miracle Morning for, when I first thought of this was from Jim Rohn. And Jim Rohn says, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development because success is something you attract by the person you become. And in that moment, when I heard the quote, I had this huge, like eye-opening epiphany and I went, wait a minute, I'm not dedicating time to my personal development every day, at least not at the level that I need to really become the person that I need to be that can attract or create or sustain the success that I want. And I really believe that is the disconnect for 95% of our society is everybody wants on a scale of one to 10 level 10 success, but very few people are focusing every day on becoming a level 10 person you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, in every way. And that's the only way that we achieve the success that we want, at least for the long term, is it's not about chasing that success, staying as you are. It's about becoming a better version of yourself every single day so that you become the person where the way you think, the way you live, the way you speak, the habits that you have, like it, you can't help but succeed, not because of what you're trying to do, but because of who you've become and what you do automatically as a result of that. And that's what the Miracle Morning is. It's doing that every single day. I love that.
1: So what you're saying is we have the power, we have the control to get what we want if we start by focusing on ourselves, not wishing the rest of the world would just give us what it is we want.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it is. You know, I think people are, you know, right. I think who was it? Tony Robbins. that said, you know, the definition of success or insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different result. And I think that's often it. We go through life like, when is it my turn? When am I going to catch my lucky break? And you don't catch your lucky break. You create your lucky break. Uh, right. And, and that, again, that, that really speaks to the essence of developing yourself into the type of person that can create the success that you want in your life.
6: What's great about what Hal just said also is, is, you know, first off, you could give credit for any great quote to Tony Robbins because he's probably said it at some point (laughs) or other. So you can always use it. And then secondly, you know, the reason people like me resonate with the Miracle Morning so clearly and why I was excited to write the Miracle Morning Millionaires is because you know, we have figured out in life that it's not about overthinking things. It's about finding things that work and putting them into action quickly. And when I read the Miracle Morning book, even though I was already a multimillionaire and extremely successful in many areas, I was stunned by the simplicity of this new morning ritual I could add to my life that takes one hour, some of which I was already doing. I was always scribing in the morning and I was reading in the morning, but to have all six, Digestible, man, usable, and and making it a ritual you do every single morning with your first hour. It's just like an instant light bulb. I don't have to think. I know it'll work the minute I read it. So once I got through Hal's first book, which was amazing and just so the wisdom the when you have a book that's so great with content. It just, it's just so rare and such a pleasure because so many books are just full of uh, the same old, same old. And The Miracle Morning was just like, yeah, this is all out there, but let me tie it together for you in a simple, graspable way. And so when Hal also said, hey, let's write, you know, a, The Miracle Morning Millionaires together, which I was very interested in too. I was like, just tweak this a tiny bit towards wealth. And that Savers program added into wealth, they just go together like peanut butter and jelly. It's just a natural <laughs> fit. And so I was excited to do the book with Hal and and I think we've created something pretty special in Miracle Morning Millionaires. Well so
2: Hal, why did you why did you grab David to write it? I mean, I'm assuming you know lots of wealthy people. So
0: why David? Yeah. And why did um, did you write
2: it? Like, why did you think it was important to write? Well,
0: none as good looking as David that, that if you're watching the video, you know, (laughs) that's obvious reason, but no, in all seriousness, so that, I mean, if you look behind me on the wall, if you're watching the video, right, we've got roughly 10 books in the Miracle Morning series. We have Miracle Morning for entrepreneurs, for college students, for writers, for salespeople, for real estate agents, on and on and on. And so the series was born, you know, three or four years ago. And David and I have been friends for a couple of years and he would, bring up in conversation all the time, we should do a Miracle Morning book together. And my thought was always, I love that, but I didn't know what it would be because you know David is is a real estate mogul. That's one area, and I thought, gosh, we already wrote the miracle morning for real estate agents. You would have been the g- a great you know guy to do that one. But it just every time he would bring it up, I'd kind of feel guilty, like yeah, but I don't know which one we would do. And so you know, a year or so went by with us just kind of mentioning it, chatting about it, but nothing real concrete. And ironically, the very first book that I had an idea for in the series. It was Miracle Morning Millionaires. And the tagline was my very first idea. It's what we ended up using as the subtitle, what the wealthy do before 8 a.m. that will make you rich. And the idea was, so, so just to be clear, this isn't the Miracle Morning for millionaires. This isn't like, okay, if I, when I become a millionaire, then, then I read this book. It, this is how, Miracle Morning Millionaires, what the wealthy do before 8 a.m. that will make you rich. So it's for people that want to become millionaires or want to become wealthy and studying what do wealthy people do for their morning rituals, right? So that's kind of the idea. And so it just, one day I was looking through my notes of different book title ideas I had and I saw Miracle Morning Millionaires in my notes and I went, wait a minute, I had forgotten about that. I hadn't even thought about it for years. And I I, I you know, I got excited, I called David, I said, David, you've been wanting to write a Miracle Morning book. I have the book that you are the most qualified person that I know to write it. And and I wanna say, the last thing I wanna say on that is this, is you know, David is a, a multi, multi-millionaire so he's qualified in that regard. But I talk about in the book that, the the def, my definition of wealth is really living in alignment with your values to me that's being wealthy right and if you value having financial freedom right well then being wealthy in terms of financially that's living in alignment with that one value but that's the thing is it's only one value so when you're when being wealthy is about living in alignment with your values only one of those values has to do with money the rest are around you know valuing family valuing freedom, valuing health, valuing friendships, relationships. And to me, David embodies that, you know, so so to my definition of wealth, not just being about the dollars in your bank account or your net worth, being more of a holistic definition, that's where it was a, it was a beautiful synergy was to me, David, you know, he fit the standard definition of wealthy, but he fit my definition of wealthy, uh, you know, as, a, as, as living in alignment with his values, nobody does it better in my opinion. Well.
2: Oh, that's fantastic. I totally agree. Everything I know about David, I, I 100% agree with that. So, all right. So, we're, we covered obviously the morning stuff, the rituals, all that a lot the last time we talked to you, Hal. But why don't we just run through a couple, a little bit about that before we move on to wealth? First of all, let's go through the objections people have. I don't like waking up early. I'm not a morning person. I've got kids. I can't get up before them, right? They need me the first thing in the morning. Uh, you know, I don't get enough sleep as it is. I got so much going on in my life. I can't do it. All the excuses you've heard a hundred times, right? What's sure. your general response, and and each of you, if you want to answer it, or just how it's up to you?
0: Yeah. So the general response is well, the the, the biggest objection is I'm not a morning person, and when I was writing the original Miracle Morning book, that was the voice in my head, which created a lot of kind of insecurity going people have such a deeply rooted limiting belief that says I'm not a morning person and I've never been a morning person and I've even tried before and it didn't work for me. Right. You know? And so when I was writing the book, I go, how am I going to break through that? Like who in the hell am I, how am I going to convince somebody to do this for more than a few days? You know what I mean? And so now, you know, fast forward five, six years later, since the original book published, You know, we have around a half a million people that do this every day and people post in the Miracle Morning community all the time. I'm on day 30. I'm on day 300. I'm on day 1,259. Right. I mean, it's it's insane. So the the question or the objection of I'm not a morning person. Number one, I wasn't a morning person when I came up with the miracle morning. But I had read enough articles on world-renowned individuals in every field from world champion athletes to multimillionaires to CEOs to world-class entrepreneurs. And the one thing that they had in common more than any other was that they were early risers. They had a morning ritual that set the tone and the context for their day that allowed them to grow every morning into a better version of themselves so they could give, you know, be better than they were yesterday each and every single day. Um, And so that was my first aha, as I thought the morning ritual isn't just like one thing that might help a little or it might not, you know, maybe I should try it. It was the linchpin to success because the only way to create a successful life is one day at a time. And the only way to create a successful day is really to start with a successful morning and then you're off to the races. And the last thing I'll share on that is I was asked during an interview a couple of years ago, what percentage of the Miracle Morning community, what percentage of them were not morning people before? So this was a huge, you know, breakthrough for them to think, well, I've never been a morning person and now I am. Uh, and what percentage of them were already morning people? So this was just doing something different in the morning instead of checking email. And I didn't know the answer to that question, so I surveyed our community, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, and I was I was really blown away. Seventy-two percent of the miracle morning practitioners said they had never in their entire life been a morning person until they read the miracle morning and started practicing it. Um, so that's what I would say is if you're not a morning person, join the club. If you think you can't be a morning person, you are wrong. And it's been proven now by hundreds of thousands of people. Right. And then number then then the third thing is creating a morning ritual in the morning we arguably will change your life more than any other single change that you can make. The the, the ripple effect of how you start your day and doing it in an optimum way, it changes everything for you. And um, I'll let David take it from here, but there was one other thing I was going to say. I'll remember it while David's talking. David, what so yeah, thoughts? if you
6: There's no question being a guy that was a night owl. I started off as a night owl. I used to even have a whole philosophy around why I was a night owl because no one would bother me. I could work late at night. I could get all kinds of work done. When the world was sleeping at midnight, I was able to get stuff done, and I lived on that philosophy well into my early career, and I, I really believed it, but what happened is... I would start staying up till one or two or three. And then I'd find maybe I had an important appointment at seven o'clock or something in the morning. So I'd have to get up at six. I'd roll in. I'd be tired. I'd screw up the appointment. I'd stumble on my words. I'd forget things. Uh, I got to where I'd say, okay, I've got an early appointment tomorrow. I'll go to bed early. And I couldn't fall asleep because I was so used to staying up till one or two in the morning. I was always wrecked for half the day. And then everybody else is up. So by nine or 10 or 11, my day was just blowing up anyway. There was nothing I could do. So if I'm getting up at 7.30 or eight, and then I've got an hour to eat breakfast and do my thing, and then roll into my day when it's already starting to come at me, I never really got ahead of the day. I was always playing catch up. So even prior to the miracle morning, I had started shifting my schedule earlier and earlier. And as I scheduled shifted my schedule earlier and earlier, I got more and more successful. And when you have kids, it takes it to an even further level, right? Because you get get up before your kids, you get that quiet time the house where you get to sit there. And then what Hal added was the dimension of, okay, if you're going to get up earlier, which I was already devoted to that, I had made the transition from, yeah, that night owl stuff, it might be great in college when you don't really have that much to do other than what people tell you to do. But when you're in mastery and in control of your own life, that morning is how you set up the day. It's how you align your railroad tracks for massive success. And then Hal gave me the six things you should do every morning. I was like, wow, I'm doing a couple of these, but not all of them. This is exactly what I'm going to do every single morning. And it became like the aha moment of tying it all together (laughs) for me. And I'm rarely out. I'm rarely up without a five in front of my digits in the morning, I'm usually up sometime between 5am and maybe 605 at the latest. And I love it. And I get the visualization done in bed. I do the affirmations in bed often, the silence in bed. So I won't wake my wife up too much. And then I pop out, go do my reading and my scribing. And so uh, how tied all that together, but, and, and I've gotten more and more successful as time has got on and By the way, more and more success doesn't necessarily mean less. It actually means more and more activity and and things going on in your life. So you have to really manage it all extremely well. And the the savers just gives me that opportunity to get up in the morning and really just kind of like lock it in so that that day is going to be a successful day. And the, the days I do it are so much better than the days I don't. So, yeah, for me, that's where the miracle morning was just like, yeah, there's not anything in here that in and of itself is like some magic recipe. But this behavior tied into what I was already a believer in
2: is, is enough to absolutely change your life. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, both of you guys mentioned like this intentionality sort of like, right? like you're, you're not living reactively to whatever the day's going to throw at you. You're saying, Hey, I'm going to define the day. And what I found is when I started doing the miracle morning, I mean, it's totally changed my life as well. And I even got my sister now doing it who Amber, shout out to you. she got five kids. I mean, all under the age of seven, like crazy life. Right. And she's waking up super early, get hit in the gym, doing the savers, everything. And, uh, she loves it. So like, you know, whatever people listen to have have excuse. Like I wasn't a morning person. My sister wasn't a morning person. You do it anyways. Right. So like it, it, just having that intentionality, yeah. that got me
0: excited about waking up. So, and if you have kids, yeah, you need it more. Yeah. Like when people go, I have kids, I go, no, I already have to, you know, no, no, no. Yeah. You need it more, right. You need to get your, you need to give to yourself first so that you can be the best mom or be the best dad that your children deserve, you know, and, and it's hard to do that when you're waking up, when they're waking up, right. Or, or, or just minutes before you haven't got, gotten a chance to meditate and calm yourself down and get centered and gain clarity. And you haven't got, you know, and plan the day. And, and maybe like for me every morning, here's a little bonus tip. Uh, this year, going into this year, I have a rule that I'm not allowed to read a business book until I've read 10 pages of a parenting book every single day I love or, or a marriage book, right? One of those two. And that's been a game changer because I would gravitate toward business books always. And then I would almost never get to the marriage books. They would just stack up on my shelf, right? And now every morning I'm reading that. So I'm 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 learning, literally learning how to be a better dad. Uh, you know, and a better husband every single day before I even, before the kids wake up. And then when they wake up, I'm like, I can apply something I learned, you know, that morning.
6: It's so effective (laughs) that my wife and I are even in the process of buying a new house and we bought it already. We're remodeling it. We're like a hundred yards from Hal and his wife because our kids get along, our wives get along. But one of the conversations was, Hey, where are we going to do our Miracle Morning? Like, and can we get some really cool meditation chairs that are like rounded so we can sit in the chair and meditate? (laughs) Like that is part of our conversation now because we know it ties us together in so many different ways. And when you get into Miracle Morning millionaires, the one thing about the wealthy that is consistent across the board, every single wealthy person you'll ever meet is purposeful. They are purposeful towards the objectives and the goals they have in life. And that's what's cool about me saying that is all three of you were nodding like this at exactly the same time, (laughs) because you know what I know, which is that there's no way you win in life without having your agenda and being purposeful towards that agenda, because there's way too much chaos and noise. And what the Miracle Morning does for you, and, and specifically as it relates to wealth, is you get to own your agenda. You get to take life and say, okay, this is how today is going to go. I'm going to be peaceful. I'm going to be loving. I'm going to be in my uh, in my uh, visualizations. I'm going to be in my positive mindset. I'm going to r- have a little personal journal about how the day is going to be great about gratitude. I'm going to read a positive book about relationship. Now I'm going to add that and then into business. And boom, you've like taken that one hour and you are now purposeful for your life. And when the first things come in, you're like, no, I'm ready for this. I've got my armor up. I've got my shields. I've got my purpose. And that's why it works so well with wealth, the Miracle
2: Morning does. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, I like that both of you guys mentioned this idea of reading books, uh, like relationship books, right? Because, like, as business people, we, we get so into, like, I'm going to read business books all the time. Like, when I was in, like, I had 100 real estate books, right? But, like, if we really value other things in life, like our relationships, family, wife, you know, kids, why not learn that as well? So, thank you for mentioning that. That's awesome. So, now, David, you mentioned... Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned wealth, uh, you know, like they're intentional about it. They're choosing to be wealthy, and that's a big part of this book as well, which one thing I I really really like that part of this book talking about how wealth is a choice. Now, I read an article recently. I think it was on Forbes or Business Insider or something like that, and it said wealth is uh, it said studies show wealth is from luck only. That's like that was like the title of the article, and the whole thing was this guy saying if you're rich, it's only because you're lucky. But you argue against that. You're saying in the book that you can choose to be wealthy. Can you talk about that? First off, a friend of mine sent me that article. A friend of mine who happens to work for the
6: state and doesn't really wanna be wealthy. Uh, A good friend actually, very intelligent guy And, you know, he said, what do you think about this article? And I know the the question behind the question is you're just a lucky SOB, right? It was an interesting article and I have an answer for him, but I'll go back to why it's a choice. Specifically, if you chose to be healthy, let's say you were you were out of shape and you said, I'm going to choose to be healthy. And in the book, we talk about this analogy of like life is like a game show. And they say, OK, all you got to do to have a million dollars is choose which door to walk through. There's door number one and door number two. And by the way, the money's behind door number one. So choose door (laughs) number one. And you're like, wait, 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 this must be a trick. There's just no way it can be that simple. It can't be as simple as making a choice. But the reality is it is that simple. If you chose to be healthy and you said- I'm going to be healthy. What would you do? You'd read a book on nutrition and that book on nutrition would say, walk around the outside of the store. All of us know this and buy the healthy living foods and eat that. And so if you then made that choice, you would read that book. You'd have that information. You'd walk around the outside of the store and you'd eat more salads and more vegetables and you'd maybe do all these better choices for your life, like the keto diet, like my wife and I do right now. So That's as simple as it takes to be healthy. You'd exercise more, you'd stretch, you'd go to bed early, you'd get a good rest, you'd do your miracle morning in the morning. Wealth's the same thing, man. People just think it's like some lucky break. It's a choice. And if you choose to be wealthy, You will save some money, you will invest it, you will hold your investments responsible for a rate of return, you will hang out with people that are wealthy, you'll learn the ABCs of what it takes to be a more valuable person so you make more money. You'll do all these things and that will lead to luck and then you will get lucky and you will make money. So there's not a single extremely wealthy person I know that hasn't had a lucky break or two, but every single wealthy person I know put themselves in a position to get that lucky break. And I go back to my friend who sent me this article and I'm thinking, you know, at the bottom of the crash with this particular friend, I said, hey, I know a place where real estate is really cheap. I'm maxed out on my mortgages. If you fly out there and find a local bank because you can't do it from here, it's a different state, so you have to fly out there, I'll put all the capital up, all the principal, and we'll split the profits on these homes and we'll buy 10 together in this area. And you know what? We got one because I muscled it forward and that's all we ever got. And and there's not one friend, there's two friends that I offered that same deal to (laughs) that I said, go out here to this market where you can buy homes, right now for $50,000 that will rent for 800 a month. Today, they're all worth 90. So you couldn't do it anymore. And, you know, neither of them did it. And I was busy. I had a lot going on. I was busy taking advantage of that downturn, which was my second lucky break in life to build assets. And neither one of them took it. So that's an example in my mind of, yeah, if you were willing to work hard and seize that opportunity, he too would have gotten lucky as all of us that bought real estate at the bottom did. But I think it's luck meeting preparation, opportunity meeting preparation
2: equals luck. And you never get that luck unless you're prepared. Did you guys notice what David just said there? I thought it was fascinating. He said the the, the economic downturn, which was my second lucky break, right? Like only like wealthy people think like that. Like the economic downturn was my lucky break. I, I don't know. I just, I think that's a really powerful way of looking at it. Most people are like the economic downturn when life got horrible for everybody, you know, like. It's how you look at it. Yeah, you right? feel
6: you, you almost feel guilty saying that because it was stressful for me too. I was sure. scared like everyone else. There was blood in the streets, but I also took advantage of that downturn. It ended yep. up becoming the second greatest wealth building opportunity for me in my life, and I still feel like I left a lot of chips on the table. I wished I had been more courageous and took advantage of more. But in spite of all that, I'm super grateful for how lucky I was that I was able to. I already had bought a lot of real estate. I had experience in that space. I had some wealthy friends, but not a lot. I had some capital that I'd saved up. So all of those things enabled me to take advantage of a mispriced asset, which suddenly it became clear to me that real estate was mispriced, not in 08, not in 09, not even in 10, but around 11, late 10, 2011, I was like, this isn't right. This is all too cheap. I need to buy as much of it as I can. And that's what I started doing. And if it ever happened a third time, now I've got a lot of friends that have a lot of money. I could really take advantage of another crash. But of course, I don't like the impact of the crash. I I have a lot of things out there right now that would be hurt by a crash. So there's terror, but there's also opportunity in that bottom. And I, I think almost all the wealthy that I know that are in real estate that survived the crash made more money because of the crash than they did before.
3: You
1: know, you mentioned that when opportunity meets preparation, that's luck, right? And there was opportunity for everybody in 2010, 11 and 12, but very few people were prepared. And that's why they feel like, well, I just wasn't lucky. I wasn't one of the lucky guys. Well, you just left out half of the equation. That's all that it was. Dave, you put yourself in a position where you had managed your money. Well, you had saved it. So you're ready to act when that opportunity came. And I tell people all the time, we, we can't control when opportunity, is going to show up. I have no control over when the market's going to go down or someone's going to bring me a deal. That just happens. But I can control whether I'm prepared and that's what we should be focusing on. If these people who during 2003 through 2006 who are making the most money of their lives were saving it, they would have been prepared when that came too. And I just think that that's like a really good thing to point out. A lot of people get upset that other people got wealthy, but we don't get upset when we see somebody get in great shape. When no one's begrudging someone saying, oh, look at that jerk with his six pack abs. Well, Who does he think he is? <laughs> there's more to life than six pack abs, you know, right? But when it comes to money, there's this stigma that goes along with even though like Dave, you said it's the exact same
0: thing. Six-pack abs don't buy happiness, (laughs) right? I don't want to get six-pack abs because I don't want to be a jerk. Like yeah. the, like, I got a six six-pack pack abs,
6: abs. I just keep it hidden under a little <laughs> layer of fat. So, uh, and the, you know, Dave, you're right on. And so let me give you an example of that in the millionaire morning miracle, uh, in the miracle morning Millionaires well, book. we talk about the title. Yeah, no, Don't ask me about bigger pockets either. That's a, that's a whole other butchering of the title. Deeper pockets? So I just, I just butchered my own book title. So you guys will know deeper pockets, right? There you go. <laughs> uh, that's what I did last time. I felt terrible. I was apologizing for half the uh, podcast. But uh, now I did my own title. I just, Miracle Morning Millionaires. We talk about choosing to be strategic. And David, one of the things that happened to me in the last downturn is I knew suddenly, like around 11, I should buy everything. And I had some friends with some money, but not a lot of money. So I I used their their money to make more money, and they invested with me, and I raised about a half a million bucks. And those guys made you know 42 percent annualized, 27 percent in <laughs> nine months. And some of them rode along with me, and they were always in the 30s. We were just killing it, right? But I didn't know enough wealthy people because I could have honestly bought 200 million dollars worth of assets in that downturn and turned it into 500 million. That's how mispriced real estate was. So being strategic, which we talk about in the book since then, I've upgraded my social circle. I still have my friends that have 100 or 200,000 to invest, but I have consciously built a circle now of people that are all in the 100, 200, 300 million. And I've done it strategically. It's just as easy to be nice to wealthy people as it is to be nice to middle-class or upper middle-class people. And they want the same things. They want community. They want friendship. They want kindness. They usually want people that give to their charities. So I've strategically, given to a lot of charities that different people run that are wealthy. And now I have a group of friends that I hang out with once a month. they're all worth over a 100 million bucks. And we visit and learn together, but I can tell you what, if there's a downturn, I'd be going to those people and say, Hey, don't give me a hundred grand, give me $5 million and I'll turn it into eight or nine for you. So that's part of being strategic. So yes, it was opportunity meeting preparation. And I'm getting prepared right now, David, for the next opportunity by being kind to these high net worth people who actually really like and building a circle. And, uh, and, and that's part of my preparation, my being strategic for the next possibility.
1: And like a jerk, you're giving money away to charities and being kind to people. <laughs> I know that it's terrible stereotype. Yeah. Um, one of the things, Dave, that, that you talk about that Brandon and I, we talk about it ourselves. We both love it. Is your concept of an air game versus a ground game. I'm constantly taking that analogy and playing to my life. Can you share that with us as a way that people can get prepared for opportunity while still taking care of their, you know, daily responsibilities?
6: Yeah, sure. The ground game is what you do naturally. If you're born and your dad's a dentist and you go through college and you go to dental school, you're probably a dentist. That's all ground game. It comes from football. If you're the, if you're the guy running the ball, you're a football player, that's your ground game. But the guys doing the air game are the people designing the game plan for that football game. If you're a dentist your whole life, you, and you don't click into air game mode, air game is, is okay. Where am I going? What am I doing with my life? What direction do I want to go? Am I taking the actions today that lead to great health, great wealth, great relationships? and that's why the miracle morning is such a natural unbelievable tool that covers all the pieces of the air game. So the air game is really is you taking ownership of your life, going up to the 40,000 square foot level, being looking down on it and saying, is the path I'm on getting me to where I want to go? And if you ask that question, you'll get a yes or a no and if the answer is no and in what areas. And if the answer is like I'm working all the time so I'm not spending time with my kids, that would be a, an answer that might come back. Then you could use your air game to say, "Okay, I'm going to spend one day every week Just with my kids, I'll choose Saturday, lock it in, drop it into your ground game, which is what you do every day naturally. And now all of a
2: sudden you're leading your life instead of just being led by your life. That's so good. Yeah, I love that idea. And again, that's where the Miracle Morning, I think, comes in so handy is, yeah, you're, you're taking time out of your day to do that air game, to plan, to figure out where you're going.
3: Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at DealMachine.com.
5: Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pines Mortgage Fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split, with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by directing your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies, and generating profit simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors. But if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income today. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com. pinefinancialgroup.com. When it comes to hiring, you can't afford to wait for great talent to find you. Can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit steadily.com for a commitment free quote tailored to your needs today. So, what, where, do you have any advice I should say on like building that vision of
2: where you want to go? Like, I mean, now people, they want to get wealthy, but then that's as far as most people in the world even take it. They want to get wealthy. They've chosen, so to speak, to become wealthy, but they don't ever do anything about it. So, what do you say? Well, they haven't,
6: about- they've, they've, Wanting to be wealthy is not the same as choosing it. Wanting to be wealthy implies a lack thereof. Wanting to be healthy implies a lack thereof. Wanting something doesn't get it for you. Choosing it leads to actions that you have to take towards your health. So that's why we say in the book, it's as simple as choosing door number one, where the million dollars is and knowing that. Now then if you chose to be wealthy or chose to be healthy, one of the things you'd have to know is wealthy people are purposeful. Wealthy people have goals. Wealthy people are strategic So, you know, everybody, I I posted something recently and I saw somebody put, ah, this guy's got, I said about hard work. It said, the work ethic you bring to anything is the work ethic you bring to everything. And some guy put in there, that's a slave mentality, is what he put. And I thought it was very interesting. But the reality is, work ethic is not enough. Ants work hard every single day and they're still ants. What is effective is choosing a path where you can strategically leverage yourself to greater and greater success. So if you're a bricklayer, God bless you for a great work ethic, you're not going to get financially free by being the best bricklayer of all time. You are contributing a great thing to society. I honor the hardworking bricklayer. The way you would ask yourself, how could I get ahead wealthy? It might be, okay, how could I build a house with my bricklaying skills and all my friends that happen to be contractors? How could I buy a piece of dirt, maybe even get ask my the owner of my company, can I borrow some of the ex- excess materials and build a house for almost nothing? using all your connections, all your relationships, and your skills, and then have your first rental property or sell that asset to great cash. That's being strategic with your life. And then if you factor that into the miracle morning, what you would do in the morning is first off, you'd silence to center send yourself, send yourself, and then you'd affirm, I am a bricklayer who also invests in property. I am a bricklayer who is gonna own rental properties. You would visualize yourself owning that and completing that first house where you would have a tenant paying you monthly. You would then read a book on how to own your own real estate and you would scribe and write to yourself, okay, the action steps I have to take today, what are this, this and this towards being a a landlord and a, a real estate owner. And so that's really where it all ties together is not, it's not just about working hard, it's the choice must lead to the actions which will lead you to winning. And if you ask yourself after making the choice, okay, what do I do now? I've chosen to be wealthy with everything I know and all my relationships and all my skill sets, what are the next steps I should take to be wealthy? You'll get answers. And then you've just got to
2: walk towards those answers. Yeah, that's so cool. All right. So I, I want to, we, I mean, we could talk this stuff forever. Obviously people should just go get the book. So, you know, I don't have to go through every point of the book. Cause it's so good. <laughs> I'm, like I'm not even kidding. It's so good, but there are a few things I do want to hit. First of all, in the book, you talk about uh, not so obvious millionaire principles. And I wanted to make sure we touch on these three things. First one was self-leadership. Second one was energy engineering. And third was unwavering focus. Can we spend a minute on each of those? Explain what do you mean? Like what is self-leadership? Uh, and then we'll move on to energy and focus.
0: Yeah, uh, the idea of self leadership is is really it starts with responsibility, and the uh, 2008 is a great example when the U.S. economy crashed. Right, a lot of people uh, maybe were let go of their jobs, or for me, I had my own business. I was a coach, and I lost over half of my coaching clients because their income was affected by the economic downturn, and so that trickled down to me. It was like either they paid their rent or mortgage, or they paid their coach. And of course, I said, "Hey, go pay your rent or mortgage. I get it." And then I lost my house, you know, as a result of all that. But but the point is. Self-leadership starts with responsibility and I'm a big believer that the to the degree that you accept responsibility for every aspect of your life determines the degree of power that you maintain to change any area of your life and uh, I'll give you an example when I was 20 years old I was you know we covered the story on the first interview I did with you guys, but I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 70 miles an hour. Another car hit me in the door at 70 miles an hour. Uh, I broke 11 bones. Uh, My heart stopped beating for six minutes. Uh, I was in a coma for six days, came into the coma, was told I would never walk again. So again, I was 20 years old and self-leadership was the mind. It began with the mindset of going, okay, I can't change what happened to me, but I am 100 percent responsible for what I how I interpret this, the meaning that I give it, and what actions I take moving forward. So I think the big problem, people go, well, wait a minute. I can't take responsibility for someone else. I can't take, you know, how could you take responsibility for a drunk driver? The drunk driver hit you. That wasn't your fault. And that's the big distinction is that responsibility is not the same as blame. Blame determines who's at fault, but responsibility. Determines who's committed to changing things, to creating the circumstances that, that they want. And so while I wasn't at fault for the accident it wasn't the drunk driver's responsibility for me to be happy for me to learn to walk again for me to have any kind of quality of life none of that was his responsibility and so so that's where self leadership begins and i think with wealth and what david's talking about where you make the choice you choose door number one where the million dollars is and if you you know i think a lot of folks myself included back when i was thinking about building wealth, it was like, well, but I don't know how, like, I don't even know, you know, I just have a job that pays me X dollars and there's no way I'm going to get wealthy off this job, this J-O-B, if you will. And so I think one of the, you know, it starts with figuring out the what so so here's an example if, if you're listening to this and you're like all right i'm at square one i've got you know maybe i'm you know I'm, I'm 20 years old i'm a millennial i've you know um and i don't i've got a job but i don't or i'm in college i don't know how to become wealthy i don't know how to do that well then it starts out by the choice begins with i'm going to schedule time maybe it's one hour a day five days a week maybe it's four hours on saturday or it's the entire day on some whatever i'm going to schedule time to figure out the how right that, that's that's the starting place. Is figuring out the how, and so it's okay. I'm going to work one hour uh, a day, and I'm going to start reading. You know, I'm going to read Miracle Morning Millionaires. Then I'm going to read the Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Then I'm going to read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Then right, and you can't help but then learn and understand how to build wealth. Oh, you read books on building wealth, and you understand how to build wealth, and then you can actually take the actions. So now you schedule that that five hours a week that you're scheduling to learn how to become wealthy. Now only two hours of it's dedicated to learning because now you've learned. And the other three hours is dedicated to implementing the stuff that you've learned over the previous weeks or months. And then you start to see results, right? So that's self-leadership. David, anything out of that?
6: Yeah, I just you know, and and people say, okay, so you've got to get all this lucky things to get wealthy, but really, if you, I go back to the first house I ever bought. I think I made fifty five thousand dollars. I was a realtor. I had no money. I was showing property. I showed a, a lady a house. It was seventy seven thousand dollars. Happened to be my sister. I said, hey, honey, are you going to buy this house? She said, no. I said, good, I am. So I bought that first house. Now I'm making at that time fifty fifty five thousand dollars. I don't have any money. I buy this house. I had enough for a down payment. And then I moved into the house. I was 29 years old or 28 years old. And then I rented out rooms to roommates, which is funny. I think it's a great strategy. In my case, my my friends hardly ever paid me rent, but yep. it still kind of <laughs> got in some money and it offset some of the bills. And that house today i still own it it's worth three hundred thousand dollars and i bought it in 97 so what is that 20 odd years ago so uh, you don't have to be massively wealthy to start this journey of wealth once you've read the books cash flow quadrant once you've read the book like wealth can't wait and then you that's realize, you a buy a house. hey, that's a good book. You could buy a house and then rent out to roommates. I mean, if you're a millennial, that's the perfect first step to do. And yep. people say, well, you can't afford it where I want to live anymore. Well then drive an hour. Yep. You know, we're talking about the choice to be wealthy. I don't want to eat carrots and vegetables every day. I'd rather eat cheesecake and ice cream every day, but I've made a choice to be healthy. And guess what? When I eat healthy, I get healthy. And if you want to build wealth, it's the choice to be wealthy. And if you got to buy a little further out, right now in Austin, Texas, if you're willing to go 50 minutes out of town, you can buy a home for about $200,000, three bedroom, maybe four. If you're lucky, you could rent two of those bedrooms out for probably 750 and your entire payment. You would be living for free and building equity on the backs of your lazier friends who are too lazy to go buy their own <laughs> darn
2: house. <laughs> and building an if experience you don't think it can be- as well. Like you're building that knowledge experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
6: But That's even the most important part is that by only thinking about it, you never get the experience. And if it's hard for you, we have a dreamer friend. And that dreamer friend is 27 years old yep. and has like eight rental properties and makes $40,000 or $50,000 free and clear after all expenses, never having had a proper work permit and everything else. So if you're thinking, oh, I couldn't you do that. He must be lucky. He must be. Yeah, he he must must be lucky. lucky. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> so lucky, that kid. Yeah, he's really lucky. I had to bicycle to work because he couldn't get a driver's license. That's how lucky he was. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah cool. We're gonna get. We're gonna get so on the show. Take responsibility. Take responsibility. That's the key. Yeah. I yeah.
0: And then uh, in energy engineering is the idea that if for you to be able to, you know, I'll give an example. Most people, I wish I had more motivation, right? And I really believe that it's energy that we want because if you have an abundance of physical, mental, uh, and emotional energy. That is motivation. Right. And so, you know, in in the chapter, we basically talk about that for you to be successful, you've got to engineer your life for optimum physical, mental, emotional, and even spiritual energy. And I'll give you a kind of the quick and dirty on this, if you will, is your diet. So I, I learned this years ago the largest drain of on, on our energy is what we eat. It's digesting food is what takes more energy than anything else. And if we go from meal to meal to meal and we're eating unhealthy food, processed food, heavy food, you know, bread, meat, on and on. If you're eating poor food choices that aren't going to give you energy, in fact, they require more energy to digest than they give to your body, which is why you become in an energy deficit. That's why the uh, five-hour energy commercial, right? It's like, you ever get tired at two o'clock in the afternoon, (laughs) right? Yeah, because you just had a chicken sandwich for lunch. You're digesting simple (laughs) carbohydrates from the bread. You're digesting some hormone-infested chicken, most likely, right? Like, that's why you're tired at two. You don't need a five-hour energy. You need to eat a raw vegan or health, some form of health. You don't need to be extreme, but you need a healthy lunch, right? You You need a lunch that doesn't have bread, doesn't have a lot of meat, and it's a small meal. That's why I think about Thanksgiving. What happens after Thanksgiving? Everybody finds a room at the house to take a nap in because you ate a lot of food. Now you're digesting that food and you're exhausted. You're fatigued. So anyway, so to me, the biggest tip on energy engineering is eating for energy, where you place more value on the energetic consequences of the foods you eat than the value you place on the taste of the foods you eat. And it's not an either or, it's just that you go, okay, I'm going to learn. And, and by the way, go read a book on eating, go Google eating for energy. I have a podcast on it. You, can, you know, I've done an episode on it. There's books on it. But the idea is that you, you, you learn how to do that. And then you start engineering your life and it becomes easier and easier. And then you can go, okay, of all the types, now that I know what types of food give me energy, I'm going to actually play around and figure out what are the actual foods, the recipes, the salads, the dressings that are healthy and they give me energy that taste good. So like I said, it's not either or it's not, Oh, I have to give up good taste. No, it's you, 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 you prioritize energy first, and then you figure out what are the foods that fit the criteria that are living plant-based foods that will give me an abundance of energy. And then how do I make them taste really, really good. And you know, and then you get to the point where you don't even think about you. Like I couldn't go back to the way that I used to eat now. And if I eat, if I if I'm traveling and I have to eat unhealthy, and I know it's going to drain my energy, like it, it it pains me as I'm eating, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is. I used to love this. It tastes amazing, but I know I'm going to pay for it in an hour, and that's not worth it to me. So. Yeah, that's David Osborne
6: thing. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think the energy thing is everything. Well, the beautiful thing about the journey towards wealth is that it's a complete and total package. So in other words, as you get healthier and you look after your body, you'll have more energy to make more money to make better decisions. It's all a package. And that's once people really get it, every one of them will want everything because the journey to wealth, the journey to abundance, the journey to all of these things it's self-reinforcing you end up getting I I get I manage my energy so carefully and sleep is exactly right but I also manage my friends who I hang out with Hal and I have become friends by choice because he and I have a lot of common interests we're both ambitious we both care about our wives and our kids a lot we have them in the same school I move near them not because that's exactly where I wanted to live but because I understand it takes a village to raise a child I think I can influence uh, his children Sophie and Howie as they grow and I think he can influence my children as they grow Hey, (laughs) And I also, we have another good friend nearby. Like these are choices I'm making uh, because energy is so important and our kids being looked after and being comforted and being in the right environment to grow personally is so important to me. But it all is a positive feedback loop. When my family's happy, I've got more productivity for work. When my energy and my body's right, I have more capacity for my family and it all just ties together. And so that's what I love about The Miracle Morning and writing this book and just being on this journey of abundance.
2: That's awesome. So on
6: that note,
1: one of the final chapters of the book is is called The Miracle Equation. How can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, uh, when I was 20 years old, uh, I, was, I sold Cutco Cutlery and I was one of Cutco's top sales reps. And it was this particular sales contest called a push period where I wanted to break the all-time company record. I was trying to do something that, you know, 50-year history of the company had never been done before. And we were normally doing these 14-day push, it's called a push period, it was 14 days. And our manager announces the day before we're starting. And I had like mentally, like had to really ramp myself up. Like I can do this. I can, I know it's never been done. I've never done it, but I I, I know I can do it. And our manager says, by the way, you guys, this particular push period is not 14 days. It's only 10 days because we have the conference four days earlier. And I went, no, no, like you, you've got to be kidding me. I, 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 the thought of doing it in 14 days felt nearly impossible. And then to go to 10 was felt impossible. I reverse engineered it. I went, okay, if I'm going to, if I were to make this, what felt like a miracle happen, and this was long before the miracle morning, but I go, I go, I got to figure out what would it take? And I reverse engineered it. I came with two decisions. Number one, unwavering faith. And number two, extraordinary effort. And I made the decision in order for this to happen, I'm going to have a lot of self-doubt. I already do. So I'm going to have to maintain unwavering faith by repeating what I, I I called the miracle mantra, which is I'm committed to selling blank or achieving blank, no matter what, there's no other option. And I just read that over and over and over and over and over again. And when you do that, you literally are programming your subconscious to follow through with. I am committed to do blank, no matter what, there is no other option. So that was the unwavering faith piece. And then the extraordinary effort was simply that I was committed to do whatever it took morning till night to achieve The goal. And long story short, in miraculous fashion, on the last day, the last hour, I sold 20% of the entire two weeks. And, and and it was a miracle. And then I thought it was just me. I thought, well, you know, I, I, I died in the car accident. When I was younger. Maybe I have like a special deal that God's hooking me up with or something, I don't know. Uh, so I thought I'm gonna teach it and see if it works. I started teaching it to my colleague after colleague after colleague after colleague, and every single one of them by putting forth unwavering faith, which is counterintuitive. If you're not on track for a goal, the faith usually goes out the window and then the effort follows right behind it. Cause you think, why am I gonna really try when I don't believe I can actually achieve this goal. I'm so far off of this goal. And so unwavering faith and extraordinary effort, I taught it to all these colleagues of mine and it worked one, and I can literally name the names, Jerry Aze, I mean, on and on, Jerry, Robert, Taylor, they had the first ever, they hit the same milestone. The record it was like the four minute mile. After I broke it, they did it one after another, after another, after another, after another. I didn't teach them fancy sales strategies. I said, if you want to join the top 1% of our society, of the achievers in this world, that whether it's Michael Jordan, who when the game is on the line, he maintains unwavering faith that he can make the game-winning shot, even if he missed the last six shots. Most people doubt themselves, not the champions. And he puts forth extraordinary effort until the last possible second to win the game. And that's a very rare mindset and approach to life. And, you know, most recently I applied it to the cancer journey and I really believe that's why I was able to defy the odds and given a 30% chance of living, I maintained unwavering faith. I had a mantra. I'm going to beat this cancer no matter what, there's no other option. And then I put forth extraordinary effort. I did acupuncture. I did coffee enemas. I did, I mean, I did ozone sauna. I did the craziest diets. Like I did whatever it took until the last moment and you know, miraculously the cancer was, was, was beat. So that is the miracle equation. And, uh, I do believe, uh, it, it, it'll, if, if you can start practicing that and integrate it into your miracle morning, have affirmations that remind you I'm committed to achieve these results. I'll put forth the extraordinary effort, do whatever it takes and, and apply that to wealth. It'll transform your financial future.
2: That's so cool. Well said. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, this has been fantastic. I know there's a, a thousand more things we could talk about, but I'm just going to encourage everyone. You need to get the book. It's fantastic. Like I seriously, it's one of my favorite books I've read in a long, long time. Yeah. Miracle Morning Millionaire. Millionaires. Is that plural?
0: Millionaires. Miracle right. Morning Millionaires.
2: What and well, they, we want to make eight, lots eight, of millionaires.
0: Yes. Where do you, lots where do you, where can they get it at? Amazon? Amazon is the best place. Get the, get the audio book, get the Kindle, get the uh, paperback. All right. Good deal. Well, thank you guys so much. This is, this is my daughter, if you're watching the video, my future yeah. <laughs> Miracle Morning Millionaire right there, Sophie.
2: There you go. Hi, Hi Sophie. All right,
0: thanks guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank guys. you so much. It's been a lot of
2: fun. Right, we'll see you guys around. All righty. That was our Interview with David and Hal. That was awesome, just like I thought. I, I knew it would be, right? These guys are rock stars, and uh, it was a lot of fun talking with them. That
1: was a lot of wisdom packed very, very compoundly into one episode.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of stuff in there. and I had like a million notes, too, of things I wanted to cover, and we just did not get a chance to. I mean, things like the thing called the Woodpecker, like what is it called? The Woodpecker Principles. Yeah, something like that. It's in the book. It's. Uh, really good. The thing called the hedgehog concept, really, really good. How he talks about goal setting. They actually go in the book, they go through four, like a four step process for setting goals. And the first one, again, we didn't get to talk about this, but I, I wanted to, but we just ran out of time. But uh, he talks about setting goals or they talk about setting goals in a peak state. That was like mind blowing when I read that in the book. So make sure you guys just pick up a copy of the book. I think you'll love it. I just got mine over on Kindle and I seriously took like a hundred notes, like on my Evernote as I was going through it of things that I was like, oh, this is so good. And then also one last thing to point out to look for when you're reading the book, look for the story that David Osborne tells in the book about the conversation he had with a billionaire when he had shingles. It's a really good story uh, and it's humorous, but it also uh, demonstrates something really important about how you work your ground game. So I'm teasing the book a little bit there because I want you guys to go up and pick it up because uh, it's really good. Again, yeah, We don't get any benefit from doing it. I, it's not like an affiliate thing or anything. I just really like these guys and I really like the book. So support them, pick it up today and jump into the show notes, of course, at the bottom of today's show and let us know if you liked it. And uh, with that, David, anything you wanna add?
1: I just want to say that if you guys don't know who these two are, Hal is world renowned for being someone who coaches people into success. I mean, one of the most famous people in the entire world when it comes to helping people achieve their goals and David Osborne is probably the most successful investor that has ever been on this podcast. And that I know he's, he's one of my mentors. He's the person that got me into being a real estate agent. He's immensely successful. We don't have time to talk about all the stuff they do, but these are people who not only they're successful, but part of their life is teaching other people how to do the same thing. They packed it all into a book and they packed it all into this podcast. I hope you guys really enjoyed that. If you want to know more, pick up the book, check out what's going on, and then uh, ask questions in the forums. That's another great way to get people involved and to keep the ball rolling after it's been started.
2: There you go. Good deal. Good deal. All right, we're going to get out of here. Thank you guys for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, share it over on your Facebook, your Instagram, your Snapchat if you're nine, and uh, that's all I got for you. So with that, let's get out of here. David, you want to take us out?
1: This is David Green and Brandon Turner signing off.
5: Braving the real estate investing journey on your own can be daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. Is this actually a good deal? Did you run the numbers right? What if you can't find a tenant? Can you even afford this place? What if you lose your job? Whatever you're going through, we've all been there. And guess what? The best way to overcome your doubts and hesitations is with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. And that's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 Summer Boot Camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to keep you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from the small multifamily, short-term rental, or rookie boot camps and register by April 12th for the lowest prices. Head on over to biggerpockets.com slash enrollme today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enrollme. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own.